Every Woman is a feminist show that highlights the struggles, triumphs, and accomplishments of women and girls and the men who support them. Every Woman includes a rich intersection of female voices that represent a wide range of ethnicities, social and economic status, as well as political and spiritual beliefs, with the purpose to enact social, political, environmental, and economic change. The views and opinions expressed on Every Woman are those of the hosts and the guests and do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Midcoast Radio Project Incorporated, KKFI staff, board, or management. Good afternoon and welcome to this week's edition of Every Woman. I am your host and your board operator this week, Rachel, and I am all by myself this week. Therefore, I thought this would be a great opportunity for me to have an entire show based around my current obsession and favorite pastime, pickleball. During this hour, you are going to learn uh, everything you always wanted to know about pickleball, but were afraid to ask or didn't even know what to ask. Um, I'm also going to share with you an interview I did with the current National Mixed Doubles Indoor Champion, Cassandra Gerke. Uh, I spoke with her a couple weeks ago about her career and about the game in general, and it is a wonderful interview, so please stay tuned. Um, Cassandra... Uh, started as a PE teacher, in, and in the summer of 2016, um, she picked up the sport of pickleball. She introduced it to her class and became so addicted, she quit her job and went pro. Um, Cassandra is, uh, is one of the uh, best pickleball players in the country currently, and like I said, the current indoor national mixed doubles champion. Currently, she travels the country teaching pickleball classes and playing in professional tournaments. So, without further ado, this is the very special Every Woman All Pickleball episode. Please enjoy this uh, interview that I did with Cassandra Gerke. Hi, I'm great. I'm excited to be on the show and talk about uh, this crazy pickleball thing that we <laughs> are always talking about all the time. Right. Um, where, where am I getting you from today? Where are you? Uh, I'm actually home for once. Um, I'm in Springfield, Missouri. I know. Um, just got back. I've been gone for about three weeks traveling and doing tournaments and clinics and stuff. And we actually leave again Thursday for another week and a half. So wow. you've got me at home. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm very, I'm very lucky. And thank you so much for taking the time out to talk with us today. So yeah, um, I often, I often like to start off these interviews with, with folks um, and ask you about what your squiggly line story is, which basically means how did you end up here as a pickleball pro calling me here on this radio station from where you sort of started? Sure. Um, so I actually, uh, I've been an athlete my whole life. Um, um, I played basketball, volleyball, softball in high school. And then, uh, when I went to college, I actually kind of stopped playing sports for a little bit. I actually started coaching volleyball. Um, and then I was at the gym one day and people were playing pickleball, which I played in high school, but nothing more than that. And they were like, hey, we need a fourth, you know, come play. And it was, you know, uh, I think three people that were 70 plus. And I'm like, all right, I've played this before, but it's been a while. And so um, I went down there and put the paddle in my hand and kind of got my butt kicked several times in a row. <laughs> and um, I went home that night. I went on uh, eBay, actually, at the time. Uh, Amazon wasn't even popular quite yet. And... Mm -hmm. 
looked for paddles, ordered one because I like the color, didn't know anything about it, and um, started playing every day. Um, and so just got addicted really quick. I um, did my first kind of local tournament, um, you know, in some prairie, Wisconsin, where I'm from. And won, and it was very exciting and kind of got my competitive juices flowing again. And um, as you know how addicting this is, I started doing more and more tournaments. Um, at this time, I was still in college. Uh, I was going uh, for physical education. And uh, I actually ended up teaching um, at a middle school, high school, physical education for three years. Um, kind of while I was, you know, messing around with pickleball a little bit. And then I was like, hey, I um you know want to do all these things i want to go all these places and all these opportunities are popping up in pickleball and my mom's like well you know try it out for a year see what happens and uh i was like seriously she's like yeah i mean you can always go back to teaching and uh she's like i won't let you fail one year try it out and that was three years ago now um so yeah that's kind of how i got started so you, you played all these sports, but none of those were like racket or paddle sports. Had you played any like tennis or racquetball or anything? Uh, no, no paddle sports for me. So my game's a little unconventional, but, um, you know, it works. And I have to kind of remember that at times because, you know, I'm probably one of the, the top players in the country um, at my level where I'm at without any record sports background. So it's, it's pretty exciting that you can make it that far without, you know, having the experience, um, like everyone else does. Yeah. I think, I think that's one of the great things about this game is the, um, at least the barrier to entry is so low for folks like you, like you did, you just like picked up a paddle one day and started playing and even without any sort of paddle experience. And in fact, sometimes that works against you, doesn't it? Like tennis players and, and whatnot, because they, they have sort of habits from tennis that don't really translate to pickleball. Yep. yep. I just got to come right in and create my own mess um, off, <laughs> off whatever I had. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it either helped or hurt me, but, you know, um, I got where I am without, you know, having the experience just kind of loving the sport itself and working hard at it. And um, so, yeah, if you don't have any racket sports background, you can, you can still do it. So it's kind of exciting that way. It's interesting because the way you got into the game is very similar to other stories. I've heard of people that play, um, they just see it played one day or a friend gets them in there. And, and the story about how you got your paddle is exactly what I did. I, I started playing and then I was like, I need to go buy a purple paddle and where, where are the purple ones? <laughs> Yeah, that was my criteria. Yeah, it's like I picked it up. It's like, well, I guess this feels good and it's purple, so away I go. Exactly. <laughs> so, so tell tell us our listening audience now. The folks that listen to the show um, have heard me talk about pickleball a lot because normally we start the show with, "Hey, what did you do this week?" I'm like, well, I played pickleball and then I played and I played again, and but I've never really explained the game, so. Could you just give us a little overview of what pickleball is? Are there pickles sure. involved? Do we have to eat pickles? Do we have to like them? What's the deal? Hey, you know, we can get in. We can do all of that at the same time. Um, plus, what I'm about to say as well. Um, 
it's a it's a mix of badminton tennis and ping pong um thing about basically standing on a ping pong table playing ping pong is kind of uh, the best explanation um it's a badminton size court and the paddles are basically oversized ping pong paddles and the ball is a wiffle ball um you can play doubles or you can play singles and um you know it's a little bit lower impact than some of the other racket sports racquetball and tennis where you're kind of darting all over the place so um, what's kind of cool about it is it's, it's more of a lifetime sport um, that you can play until you're 100 years old um, because it's it's very low impact, um, it's very social, and um, that's what's kind of cool about the sport is all the different age levels and abilities that are able to to play and still have fun with it. Um, some other sports like basketball. Um, you know, where you're kind of running around, it's a little bit more aggressive or football. Um, sometimes you're not able to do that, you know, your whole life, especially, you know, once you're, once you're older. Um, sure. and so this is something I'm hoping to play until, um, you know, I'm hundred years old. If I make it that long. <laughs> and it's, uh, like, like tennis and ping pong, it's, it's a volley game, right? Um, yeah. So what makes it a little bit different than any other racket sport is, um, y- yeah, you can, you can take the ball off the bounce or you can take it on, um, on a, on a volley. Um, it's one hit per side. And, um, the only thing that's a little bit different is what we call a double bounce rule or bounce bounce rule. Um, it has to bounce once on each side before you are able to hit it out of the air. Um, so that makes it a little bit more interesting. Got it. And of course, the, the, the other thing that trips people up is not only how you score, but also the non-volley zone or the kitchen. Can you explain what that is too? Sure. That's very unique to this sport. Yeah. So um, the, the size of the court, again, badminton size is about 20 by 40. Um, and the kitchen area is um, a seven foot um, space. Um, on either side of the net that um, you are not allowed to volley inside of there. Um, you can you can bring your body in there, you can step in there, you can take the ball off the bounce in there, but you're not able to run up and crush it. So um, kind of like tennis, the serve and volley type of setting doesn't quite work for this um, sport because you can't come crashing into the net um, and hit it out of the air right away. So, right. And, and, a, and a volley a being up. A volley being a ball in the air that hasn't bounced yet. Yeah, yeah. Volley being any ball that's that's in the air um, that hasn't bounced yet that, that you're taking directly from the air. Mm-hmm. Why do you think? Why do you think this game is so addictive? I mean, because it seems like it's one of those games where people either just absolutely love it and they just play it all the time, or it's like, well, it was kind of fun, but uh, I can take it or leave it. Sure. I think what's exciting about this are a couple of things is one, um, you can teach anybody this in like 30 minutes. So um, unlike tennis or some of the other kind of more intense racket sports or, um, you know, you could you could spend hours, days, weeks, months, years on just the serve. And, um, you know, I can go teach anybody this in 30 minutes and they can put a pad on their hand and at least be somewhat successful at it. Um, you know, how our world works is, you know, if you, if you're, if you can be good at something, you're going to want to come back. Um, and so it's, it's a very easy thing for people to pick up kids, you know, uh, middle-aged seniors, anybody. 
And um, I also think that the second thing about it that's so exciting is the social aspect. Um, you know, as you're playing, you're basically 14 feet away from your opponents at all times for the most part. And it's just, it's very casual. It's very um, social, recreational, and, and people are always kind of bantering and, and having a good time. And I think that social aspect mixed with the physical activity is what makes things so exciting for everybody. Even people that maybe don't even like physical activity that much, you can play this for hours because it's so social. You don't even realize that you're moving or working out or working hard. So I think right. that for me is are two of the things that are huge. Yeah. You don't, it's, it's true because it's sort of small, small bits of exertion. Like you run and stop and run and stop, but it's not like tennis where you're constantly running back and forth and back and right. forth or like racquetball where it's really, really, really fast and you're going back, you know? Yep. So yeah. In, yeah. Until you look at your Fitbit afterwards, you're like, wow, <laughs> 12,000 steps playing pickleball. <laughs> I was moving. <laughs> no, it's yeah. And the other thing you mentioned, which is really interesting is, is just the age range and how folks who are, you know, in their twenties and thirties can play against, you know, folks in their seventies and eighties and, and whatnot, and still compete with each other, especially, mm -hmm. especially in a double situation where you're only, you know, sort of covering half of the court. And I think that's really unique to this sport as well. Yeah, I agree. I actually um, am able to play in tournaments, of course, smaller ones than, than some of the pro ones that I go to with, with my mom, who is, you know, 57 and, um, you know, we, we've, we've done well before. So it's, it's, it's pretty exciting too, that, um, you know, you could bring your family and get them involved and, um, it's just, it's a blast. It's exciting. Do you play with your mom as a partner? Yeah, we we uh, we play and we have a, a memorial tournament here every year um, in Springfield, and so it's obviously a little bit smaller. And uh, we we compete in that together as as a team. So last year we took gold; it was pretty exciting. Um, Did so, you yeah. play this year? Um, it's in September, so we will oh, end up playing. Yeah, this year too together. Yeah, it, it's funny because it. it with mothers and daughters and like married couples and, and partners and stuff. It's, it's either we love playing together. It's so great to do this. Or it's like, I cannot play with my partner. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also play with my fiance. So um, I know how that goes. And we, um, when we play together, it is the competitive um, type of setting. Um, I think, you know, I totally <laughs> could see how, you know, we could, we could definitely go at it at some times, but I think he's a college tennis coach as well. So I think the, the coaching and teaching experience that we both have um, makes it easier for us to work together without killing each other. So <laughs> at least we haven't done it yet. Right. Right. Give it time. And you're not actually married yet, right? Yeah, that's true. Yes, that's very true. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we're coming up on our first break, so uh, I'm going to take a break and we'll be right back with more from Cassandra Gerke. And we are back with my special guest, Cassandra Gerke. She is a professional pickleball player. Welcome back, Cassandra. <laughs> Thank you. So one of the things I'm always asked beyond uh, when I say, you know, I just, I was playing pickleball this weekend beyond what's pickleball is how did it get its name? Sure. So obviously we've got this funky name, um, pickleball, where when we tell someone, they're like, oh, what do you hit pickles around or drink pickle juice or do this or that? You're like, okay, come on, come on, come on. 
Um, yeah, it's actually, it was invented in 1965 in Seattle, Washington, which people don't realize how long it's actually been around. Um, it probably started to explode, I would say, in 2009, um, kind of when nationals and things like that started to get a little bit bigger. So um, now, at least when we talk about it, um, people kind of know what we're talking about. Um, but it got its name. Um, these two guys were kind of messing around, um, you know, in their, their backyard and um, kind of lowered the badminton net and, um, you know, were just kind of using some wooden type ping pong ish paddles and a whistle ball and um their dog's name was actually pickles um and i guess would run around and chase the ball and so they kind of created this game and then ended up naming it pickleball um and so yeah it's it's been around for quite a while and that's how it got its goofy name and um what didn't really have anything to do with pickles in general just exactly. the dog's name yeah, I've I've actually heard I've had heard two different stories and mm-hmm. dog story is my favorite being a huge dog fan myself. <laughs> you know, the dog's name was Pickles and they would be playing and the dog would run off with the ball and so it was yeah. ball. Um one of the guys that invented it, um his wife claims to have p- picked the name um because it was a com- because pickleball itself is a combination of different sports and it says it reminded her of the pickle boat crew in professional rowing um that okay. put together basically a group of ragtag folks to get in the boat and they were leftovers basically from the other teams which is also sort of an apt name so okay well hey it was a little bit of both so i guess you know when people ask you can roll with whichever story uh you enjoy more so that's that's exciting i hadn't heard that one yeah, either yeah, either way it's it has nothing to act do with actual pickles. So uh, yeah. If you don't like pickles, you're you're okay. You can still play. You can still you play. Don't have yeah. to drink pickle juice or anything. <laughs> so if you're dehydrated, it might help you. I don't know. There's a lot of it does pickles. it does help the pickle juice with dehydration. So. <laughs> so so tell me this. If if you're uh if you're a new a, a newbie and you wanna start playing the sport and learning how, um, do you have any tips on how you would start? Sure. Um, so, uh, pickleball is popping up all over the place. So there's actually, um, you know, usapickleball.org. If you go on there and click on places to play, a lot of people have listed, um, you know, places around the country. Uh, you can kind of click on your state and your location and see all the different places that are around. Um, another good source is social media. So if you have Facebook, um, you can kind of search, um, like for ours, just search Springfield Pickleball or, you know, Kansas City Pickleball. And you can kind of hop on there and, uh, you know, just kind of start to scroll down and see if there's any schedules out there on those Facebook pages. And a lot of the times people will be able to point you in the right direction. Um, and so, yeah, it's pretty easy to find, um, you know, online for sure. And then, you know, if there's any other parks or, um, you know, community centers or things like that, a lot of places do offer Pickleball now. So, you know, just kind of asking your local parks and rec or stopping by the park and pickleball players are always welcoming and willing to help um, beginners for the most part that I've seen anyway. And um, yeah, that's, uh, that's how you can get started really easy, real quick. Yeah. That it's actually one of the most amazing things about pickleball. Not only is, you know, like I said, the barrier to entry to playing this game is, is really low. It's like you can pick up a paddle and start playing and get, okay at the game pretty quickly 
Um, yeah. As you climb up to your level, it gets more and more difficult as you get mm-hmm. forward. But there's like a it's a it's like a logarithmic scale. You start and you kind of improve really fast where you can have fun and be competing. Um, but beyond that, it's the social aspect is is huge. When there isn't a pandemic, I'm a lighting and video designer and I travel all over the country doing work. And I always bring my paddle and my mm-hmm. stuff with me because I never know there might be a pickup game somewhere or oh, yeah. I worked at a theater in um, Philadelphia where the artistic director had this, um, had a free pass to this really posh um, fitness club that had pickleball. And I just, I just showed up one day and they're like, yes, come play. It's great. And so, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, going especially social media. I know here in Kansas City, there's the Casey Pickleball on on Facebook. And yeah. literally, if you would go there and, and put a post just like that and say, hey, I'm brand new. I want to play. You're going to get about 10 or 12 people that'll say, yes, come out. We're playing over here or over here. And I've got an extra paddle and, and away you go. It's, it's unlike most sports, I think, that mm-hmm. there's so the folks are, you know, there's some, some exceptions, but for the most yeah. part, they're they're all very welcoming and happy to just have new people to play with. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I, in fact, that's sort of how I started. I actually was going to join uh, Stonewall sports here in Kansas city has a, has a kickball league. And uh-huh. I, I wanted to, I wanted to do something competitive because I would sort of gotten out of it. I'd played racquetball when I was younger in college and loved that competitive thing. Uh, and so this thing came up, but I was sort of afraid to go by myself. So I asked a friend, it's like, could you come to the kickball league with me? And she's like, well, I kind of have a bad knee, but what about pickleball? And I was like, huh? <laughs> she gave me a paddle and we went and played and I've been obsessed ever since. That was like a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, and there's a local group in my neighborhood that <laughs> now I've become the uh, the maven of the email list. There's like 81 people on this list. I send an email out every day and say, hey, who wants to play at nine o'clock and who wants to play at one o'clock at, at the, at the court. Um, and literally I just showed up one day and there was people there and they're like, yeah, come in. Do you know how to, yeah. you know how to play? I'm like, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, I think, I think that's, that's great advice. And it seems to be universal. I mean, all the places I've gone all over the country, I've always been able to just sort of walk into, to pick up games or whatever to groups of folks I've never met before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, uh, it's, it's really that simple and that social and exciting that, um, you know, just walking in, if you don't have a paddle, um, you know, obviously outside of pandemic, we're almost out of here, hopefully, um, you know, people are more than willing to even, you know, share their paddle, um, with you and, and get you started and teach you and, and yeah. So, so we talked a little bit about some of the rules. I, I know one of the things that also trips people up, especially when you're playing doubles, is how you score and the first server, second server situation. Can you explain that? Because that's another sort of weird idiosyncrasy to this this sport. Sure. So um, whenever I teach beginners, I actually teach that last um, because <laughs> it is so confusing. Even when I taught the kids, I would actually leave out the um, – third number which i'll talk about here in a second uh, but the pickleball scoring um how it works is um there are three numbers and you say your score first uh your opponent's score and then the third number is what server number you are in that possession um and so there are two numbers that that can be a one or a two if it's ever a three four or five six or any other numbers something is wrong um and so <laughs> 
Um, if we were playing a game right now and, um, you know, we were going against each other and there was a side out or change of position, um, if my score was five, your score was seven, um, and I am the starting server of that position, um, I would say five, seven, one. And I am the first server of that actual side out or position possession. Um, after that, um, my partner actually gets to serve as well. Um, and they would be the second serve server, um, of that side out or possession. And so they would call out five, seven, two. Um, and then, um, as there's a third side out, it would actually go to the opposite team where they, then the score would be seven, five, one, and we would go back that way again. Um, the only confusing part about all of that um, is the very first serve of the game where you only get one server. Um, any other time, both um, teammates get to serve the whole game um, before there is a side out or change of possession. And in that case, the very first serve of the game or the very first possession, you would call out 002 just to let everyone know that you're technically the last server of that possession. So. If I didn't lose you somewhere along there, um, you know, please don't let that get you confused because I promise it happens to everybody and you, the, the scoring is actually the hardest part of the entire game and um, you'll pick it up at some point. So Yeah, and it's I think where people get hung up is that you're not always the first server because if yes. you score, you, you change courts, you go across and like in tennis, you serve diagonally across and mm -hmm. it's always the person on the right that is the first server when it's side out to you. But yeah. if you scored and then your, your uh, teammate didn't, you would then become the second server because you'd be on the left side. And I think that's where people kind of get confused because they're like, but I was one before. Why am I two? And yeah, <laughs> I think, um, yeah, definitely it's, yeah, you're not always the first server of, you know, you're not always a one or you're not always a two. I think that, you know, the best way that I've been able to explain it to people that seems to somewhat make sense where they don't give me that lost in space look is, you know, saying change of possession or side out. Um, every time there is a change of possession where you and your partner are served and it goes to the other side, to the other team, um, you know, yeah, whoever's in that right-hand box is going to be, uh, server number one. Um, but I lose people all the time with this. So I have yet to come up with something simpler than that large explanation that I just gave. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> and, and yeah, the, the, the explanation sounds convoluted, but in practice, it's actually pretty simple and it yeah. follows a very logical set of rules. But yeah, so when yeah. you try to explain it out like that, it's like, what? Do I need a huh? slide rule? I'm like, uh, just forget it. Just play. We'll, we'll be fine. We're going to figure it out. <laughs> I'll take care of it for you. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny when, when I play like, uh, just rec, rec games, you know, with, with my group here in Brookside in Kansas City, um, I'm often the one keeping score because folks kind of forget the score and what number they are. And it's like, if someone doesn't, you're lost and you're all looking at each other. It's like, was I one or two? Was it? Oh, I don't know. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, yeah, even at the pro level, uh, it, we uh, get lost half the time. So um, I wish I could tell you that the scoring, um, you know, eventually becomes very easy and you never forget it, but it's, it, it won't happen. It's not going to happen, <laughs> even at our level. <laughs> I have so many other things to think about than, than what, the, what the score is. So, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. 
So you, you talked a little bit about your journey to becoming a pro. Can you, can you elaborate a little bit on, you know, where, when, when was that tipping point for you? Because, you know, a lot of us play and just, you know, love the game or obsessed with it. Someone like me who plays it as much as she can. Um, what, what, what got you to that tipping point where you said, you know what, I think I want to do this as a career. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously I've loved sports my whole life. And when I picked this one up with how social it was, I became addicted very quickly. Um, I had been kind of out of sports for a little bit, uh, you know, went to college, did the college thing, did the party scene, um, you know, kind of had a sedentary um, work style life job. And um, unfortunately with all that, uh, my freshman 15 turned into like freshman 50. Um, and so before you knew it, I, I was well over 200 pounds um, when I first started this sport, probably about 220. Um, and so got into it just for some exercise. And again, you know, again, started that first tournament, did that first little social event, and then started looking for more. Um, I Pickleball is, um, you know, based on levels. can go all the way from a 1L, like I just put a pad on my hand, all the way to 6O or 5-5 slash 6O, which is the, the pro level. And I basically got um, up to, to 4O off pure, basically, athleticism and just wanting to play all the time. And um, then started to realize, oh, wait, I can't just smack the ball hard through people anymore. This isn't working. What's going on? Um, and so I started playing, um, you know, some more higher level tournaments. I um, got into the 4-5 division, um, you know, at tournaments and started meeting some more people. And they kind of showed me a little bit more strategy of the game um, instead of kind of hitting everything hard you know, basically that you're trying to get to the net and they showed me, you know, how to do that correctly. Um, and so I started becoming more successful and uh, we played our first four or five tournament and won. Um, it, was very, it was a very small tournament. And um, the ratings committee ended up off of the one tournament bumping me to a 5-0 player, which at the time was the highest you could go. Um, and I emailed them. I was like, Hey, wait a minute. I've only played one tournament at four or five. And I get that I won, but like, this, this was it. That's all I've right. done. And he's like, well, if you go to and out, uh, meaning, you know, you play tournaments and you, you go, you lose twice. You lose your first two matches. If you do that two times in a row, we will reconsider your rating. And, um, that didn't happen um, to me. So I could never really go back and complain about going back down. So I, I had a full force. I went right into five Oh. And um, like I said, at the time, um, you know, as a overweight um, and the thing that was holding me back was my physical um, ability to keep up. Uh, I remember I was one of my, we were in the finals for our, one of our first five Oh events and, um, I ran out of gas and, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily my ability that kept me from winning the tournament, but, um, just being able to stamina to keep up. And that is when I was like, Oh, gas, if this is what you want to do, you got to figure this out. And so, um, I started kind of paying a lot more attention, drinking less, less beer, not cutting beer out <laughs> altogether. Let me tell you, um, just less of it and um, less pizza 
and just kind of paying attention to it more and um, got, you know, physically fitter, um, more of an athlete and, um, you know, continued the tournaments and started, you know, seeing some more success and um, started getting some, some good partners, you know, getting some good results and opportunities were popping up all over the place, whether it was sponsorships or events or things like that. As a school teacher, I had a lot of flexibility, obviously in the summertime, but during the year, there were so many things that um, I wanted to do that I couldn't because I had to work. And so (laughs) I had to make the choice of, Hey, this is like once in a lifetime, um, you know, type of opportunity do I try it? Do I give up this job that I love? I love the school district. I love the people, love the kids and see how it goes or, you know, just kind of keep with what I'm doing and, and do what I can. And like I said, uh, I talked to my mom about it. She's a huge supporter fan. She's awesome. And she said, girl, do it. Um, and we'll figure it out. I won't, I won't let you fail. And so when I, when you have a support system like that, and so I pulled the trigger and uh, like I said, that was three years ago. And um, I'm going to ride this train out until I <laughs> can't do this at the pro level anymore at this point. End of the so. line. Yeah. So how, how old were you when you, when you turned pro? I was 29, 28, 28, 28. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that's a great age to, to do some sort of life changing thing too, because there's, you know, really in the scheme of things, teaching would always have been there. I mean, you always need good teachers and, you know, it sounds like you're good at it and passionate about it. So yeah, that's, that is such a wonderful story. It's so cool to hear that you had that support and someone just saying, yeah, do this thing. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you only have once. And so it's, uh, if there's something you want to do, as wild as it is, uh, do it. And <laughs> don't second guess. Don't waste time thinking if you can or can't do it. If you really want to do it, you can. You can make it happen. Um, takes takes a lot of work, but there's there's nothing in my opinion that is too big or too over anyone's head if they really want to make something happen. Do I do I sense a book in the future the the, <laughs> pizza, the pizza and beer diet for pickleball? The- yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> low pizza, low beer uh, diet and pickleball pro. <laughs> nice. I think I think that's a million dollar idea. You should, you should consider that. You know, I'll have to. I'll keep that one. Keep that so, one in mind. <laughs> so tell me this. So, so now that you've turned pro and this is kind of your 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 focus now. What 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 do you do to keep in shape and and to keep to keep up with, you know, that level of competition? Um, Sure. So um, right now I do personal training three times a week and uh, I kind of just started, you know, just with, with basic lifts and uh, we started a weightlifting club here in Springfield and my trainer's like, Hey, um, you know, you should try this. It's all Olympic lifting. I thought I've never done Olympic lifting. I don't know how to do that. I know it's very technical, so, so um, like, but, so weightlifting, like, yeah. Weight. Okay. Yeah. Like, uh, like big barbells flying over your head and all this <laughs> stuff. And, um, you know, being a PE teacher and an athlete, I, I've done a lot of lifting in the past, but Olympic lifting is, um, a little bit more technical. It's really hard to just go teach yourself. Um, so it's kind of a little like, eh, I don't know about that, but I started doing that in January and I've, uh, seen some big changes um, physically. And so I, I'm still rolling with that. 
And, um, you know, we, we practice or play probably, I would say, 12 hours or so a week. Um, try to get three solid days of, you know, three to four hours in. Um, and when we do it, it's usually um, in the mid of the day, um, you know, 12 to 4 in the hottest part of the day because a lot of the tournaments that we go to are in Arizona, Florida, things like that. And, um, you know, what better way to prepare than playing in the dead heat of the day, which I know sounds so exciting. But um, so those are some great ways to train. And, um, you know, we go to tournaments probably twice a month or so. So um, the stamina has been pretty easy to keep up as long as we, you know, keep rolling with things. So physically that's kind of what I've got going on right now. So is, is your regimen of, of, of lifting weights and free weights and stuff, is that typical for what, what folks do? on this, on this level to, to stay in shape? Yeah, I think, um, you know, pickleball is not, I, w- I wouldn't say it's not a cardio sport. It's, it's, uh, it's obviously partly cardio, but at, at our level, um, with as fit as we are getting, I, w- I would say my focus necessarily isn't as much cardio, but how can I have stamina for eight hours in the heat? Um, and things like that. And for me, my body, um, I've, I've learned that weightlifting um, has been huge uh, for that because um, I just noticed that I'm able to sit in a lower stance a lot longer without, you know, being in pain or even the next morning waking up like, oh my gosh, everything hurts. And um, so I was doing Orange Theory a lot before, which was, is also, it's a mix of cardio and weights. Um, but I've just noticed the drastic changes um, with just weightlifting, um, which I don't like cardio anyway. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call pickleball a, a cardio sport either. I mean, your heart rate does go up because you mm-hmm. are running, but it's, it's short bursts of running that you, yeah. know, you don't, you don't have that sustained sort of heart rate that goes up for a long period of time. Usually. Yeah. So yeah. what, what parts of your body do you focus on? Is it arms, legs, all of it or? All of it. Yeah. All of it. Um, I think just being overall, um, you know, getting, you know, with, with weightlifting and making every part of your body stronger, more mobile, um, you know, to, for me, uh, knock on wood, sustain any type of injuries that may come a- along. Um, I've been pretty lucky in that area. And I, I, I do think it is, um, has a lot to do with weightlifting and just being strong and, and my, you know, um, my body not giving out or, um, getting, getting tired as quick where maybe I, I am not able to plant the foot, but I get tired and then kind of not, not tip, but, you know, roll an ankle or do things like that. Um, I think the, the weightlifting also helps with, um, not, not getting injured as easy. Um, do you, do you work on your flexibility as well? Cause I, I want to hear weightlifting and, and, and building muscle. I, I, you know, it, it, my fear would be, you know, becoming sort of muscle bound and not very flexible. Is that a thing you work on too, or is it not a, not a thing? Um, I do a lot of stretching, I would say, um, just in, in general, um, for flexibility, um, and, and I try to do when I'm home, uh, yoga a couple times a week. Uh, I'm a lazy yoga person. So I, I like the restorative kind of hot yoga where you just lay there and stretch. 
um, and the, the easy yoga. Uh, yeah. And so I think the stretching, um, you know, with the foam rolling and the, uh, we have a, we have a, um, aversion table. Uh, we have a lot of like recovery items that I think flexibility wise, um, help kind of keep everything loose and, um, not tight. So, yeah. 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 Cause I would be, you know, obviously if you're not flexible, if you're really strong and not flexible, you're then run the risks of, you know, tearing, straining muscles mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. And that can keep you out for quite a while. I imagine. Yeah. I think too, um, for, for me, luckily, I, uh, females are typically, um, a lot more flexible, um, than males. So just being a female, I think, uh, has, has made that not, such an issue for me um and so um yeah i i'm sure the guys i know jared uh is always like i can't move or i can't do this or can't do that i'm always showing him stretch. i'm like boy you need to stretch or you know do something with that but um so that that helps a lot too just straight being female um with the flexibility aspect so gotcha um so you, you touched a little bit on how on, on the rating system. Can you can you go into that in a little more detail and tell it tell me the different sort of rating levels and what what that means generally? Sure. So um, it is a, a rating scale from one out of six oh that is in 0.5 increments. Um, so one oh one five two oh two five. Um, typically, most of the tournaments you'll see three out of six oh. Um, uh, 6-0 is not typically listed. Basically, there it's just an open pro division. So anyone, for the most part, that is 5-5 five, five and above can for sure enter the open or pro division. Um, some tournaments just have open. And if you're a 3-5 and you want to roll up in there and play the pros, you, you go right ahead and throw your money in the pot, and um, they will let you compete. Um, some of the larger tournaments like nationals or things like that, where there's actually a cap, there's so many of us that are trying to get in. Um, sometimes they will limit that to, you know, four or five and above or five low and above where your actual rating, um, through the USA pickable has to be a, a certain level. Um, with these levels, you can always play up for the most part. So if I'm a three Oh and I'm like, Hey, you know what? I feel like getting a challenge today and, or it's a lower, like a smaller tournament where there's not as many people, you can always play up. But once you have a rating, um, you can't go downward um, unless you actually lose so much that your rating gets knocked down. Um, so if I'm a 3-5 um, and the rating system, I can't go play a 3-0 tournament. Um, sure. that so that's uh, something that's kind of nice. Um, but every tournament, your ratings can kind of move up and down depending on who you play and, um, you know, who you win against or who you lose to. Um, and so if you're losing to someone that is better than you, it doesn't hurt your rating as much as if you lose to someone who might have a lower rating than you, it can kind of take a dig. And then the different levels of tournaments, we have four tiers. We have like a tier one, which is like a you know, nationals and us open. And we have like a tier two, which is kind of like our regional events and then tier three and four. So depending on which one, so nationals is tier one, it's the biggest one that's really going to knock up and down your rating, depending on how you do where a tier four, which is maybe like 75 people or less is not going to hurt you as much. 
um, so. see, such, some such weird baby. algorithm thing they got going on that is very hard to follow. <laughs> okay. I won't, I won't ask you to do math. I, I promise. You don't have Thank to do goodness. That. I'm okay. just a PE teacher. I don't want to, I can't do that. <laughs> you have a stopwatch and that's about it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, we are coming up on our second break. So um, we're going to take a break and we will be right back after this. Okay. And we are back. We've been talking with pickleball pro Cassandra Gerke, uh in this hour. And so uh, we were talking a little bit about ratings and there's actually two sorts of ratings in a way. There's sort of a self-rated system where there's a set of criteria and then the kind of ratings that you just talked about that are weighted against other folks in, in sanctioned events. Can you talk about how the self-rating process works and, and sort of what each level is from one to sure. Yeah, so what you can do if you're trying to kind of get into things and you don't know your level or you don't, um, you haven't played a tournament or anything like that, um, you can actually go to usapickleball.org um, and type in player ratings and it will bring up kind of an example of every single skill level. And so um, basically what you can do is if you've, you've played several times and, you know, you, you, you're going to rec play every day and you, you've played for a few months, um, you can kind of go in and just look at, you know, anywhere from two, five to three, five for the most part. Um, and just kind of take a look at, um, like I've got the, the three Oh skill rating up right now. And they'll say, you know, forehand ability to hit a medium pace shot, lack directional intent consistency. And they'll, they'll go over your backhand, they'll go over, over all these different types of shots. And basically what you do is go, oh, well, can I do that? Do I do that? Is, am, am I doing that? Um, I mean, that's basically what you're doing for self-rating. Um, my advice to you, um, would be, you know, for your very first tournament, I would go somewhere in between the two that you kind of think you are. Um, it's, um, you know, for a good experience, if, if you go lower, it's not what people call sandbagging. If it's your first tournament, because you don't know, you don't know what to expect. Um, you know, but, um, where people, will start calling you sandbaggers or things like that, where you're playing a lower level than you should be is if you're a repeat customer at that level. Um, yes. And so, you know, if you go into the tournament and you smoke everybody out, well, that, that was probably too low of a level for you. And maybe the next <laughs> tournament you go up 0.5 and see how it goes. Um, same in reverse, you go in and you get your butt kicked and get smoked in every match. Well, we were probably a little bit too high in that event. And, um, you know, we either try again if it wasn't that bad or you might want to go down to like 0.5 for the next time. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of what I did. I was like, well, I'm young, athletic. I, I went in at 3.5, and, um, which is right in the middle of the pack and, um, you know, hung out there for a little bit and then moved up as we did better. So nice. that That's actually really great advice, especially when you're, yeah, I mean, you have to have some sort of idea, especially when all you've done is rec play. Um, so yeah. those guidelines are great. And yeah, US, USA, pick, what is it again? USA? USAPickleball.org. Um, yeah, and it will a- literally break down. They've got like a PDF of every <laughs> every level. So you can kind of just, you kind of know where you're, you know, if you're, if you're at your gym or your rec place, you kind of know where you're at, you know, after you've played sure. several times and, you know, are you winning games? Are you kind of in the middle? Are you losing every game? Um, and you can kind of go in and look at the ratings and see where you think you might fit and give her a go. 
Yeah, it's, it's it is very subjective, but they're very thorough about each one of those ratings. So you can get you can get a pretty general idea. And I love that mm-hmm. advice of of sort of you know trying to find the middle ground at least in that first tournament. I know that's that's what I did that in my first tournament, and I sort of. I sort of was probably probably should have started um, a half a level higher because I I did really well and got accused of of sandbagging the whole time. And, but I'm like, this is my first tournament. I've never played in a tournament before. This is literally my first time. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I was very good. And the next time I went up and yeah. So that's, yeah. That's like I said, you know, if you, you go and you're like, Hey, this is my first tournament, but then you come back and you're like, all right, it's your second tournament girl. We're, you know, you're at the same <laughs> level and you smoked all of us last time. Uh, no, well, people and, are, are pretty good about that. Absolutely. And, and frankly, as you know, as someone, I, I, I think we share this, that we're, we're both very competitive and mm-hmm. want to have fun. And, and it's, it's kind of no fun to beat up on folks who aren't as good no. as you are. It just, it just isn't. And it doesn't help you either. Right. You know, unless you're on an ego trip or something, which I'm, I'm not. You know, so. some people are into that. So, you know, it <laughs> yes, is what I it think, is, right? <laughs> yes. I think for the most part, that's not true, but there's, there's definitely outliers. There's outliers in every sport. You know, this, this sport is not a monolith. It's not all amazing, good people, but the vast majority of the folks I have met have been, which has been mm-hmm. a wonderful thing. It is, really a, it is really a great and accepting community. So, so, so tell me this, where do you see yourself in five years? Do you have any sort of goals for yourself? And I know you want to compete until you can't compete anymore, but do you have any like specific goals that you want to accomplish? You know, um, luckily I hit one of the big ones last year, um, which was getting into the top 10. Um, and I was able to do that and make doubles. So, nice. um, I'm a, I'm a realist and, um, that, that, that's, that might be it for me. And I'm okay with that. Um, top 10 was a, a, a large goal of mine and I'm very proud of it. Very excited. Even if I, one year that I hold on to it, I made sure I took a picture of that, that list at the end of the year. So I will always remember that at one point I was in the top 10 and, um, you know, I think just, um, not just being a player, um, not so much goal wise, because, you know, going to these tournaments, winning money is, is always a bonus for me. Sure. Um, but I think the, the teaching aspect, um, you know, is very exciting because that's actually what I went to school for. So, um, you know, just being able to get into more schools, um, voluntarily and maybe when I'm visiting different places and kind of getting more youth involved, um, is kind of a goal of mine. I'm not sure how or what that looks like, but I think the junior programs are growing, bigger and bigger AAU has came into um, pickleball and is starting to kind of get junior programs there. Um, And so I think, you know, just being able to do some more youth stuff because Mm -hmm. um, that's what I, middle school, high school was my specialty when I was teaching and um, it's something I'm very passionate about. So um, that's kind of. Well, and one of the things you do in, in, in addition to competing is you do teach clinics too, in Mm -hmm. some of the places you go to. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. When people are like, wow, you, uh, make enough money as a pickleball pro. How's that going for you? I'm like, well, if you only look at it that way, it's not going very well. Um, if you were in the, you know, top five in the country, you know, you're, you're probably doing all right. Just, just playing pickleball with, with, um, prize money endorsement sponsorships and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So you're kind of outside of that top five. We're doing, we're doing great as well um, in a lot of those aspects, but a lot of us are teaching um, a lot and getting a lot of our, our salary that way. Um, and so what's great about it is you can teach as little or as much as you want as you're traveling. So um, you get to be your own boss, make your own schedule, and make as much or as little money as you want to. So, I love that. Yeah. So if, if folks are interested and want to keep up with what you're doing, how, how do people get in touch with you or, or see what you're up to? Sure. Well, I love stalkers in the right way. So uh, <laughs> Facebook is all about stalking. Um, and uh, so, I yeah, you can find me on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cassandra Marie Pickleball is my pro page. And then Cassandra Gerke is my personal page. So, um, that's a great place to kind of get in touch with me or see what I'm up to, um, on the, the tour and what I've got going on. And so, yeah, it's a great place to find me. Great. And, and what the, the pro page is Cassandra Marie Gerke. Yeah. Cassandra Marie Pickleball. Pickleball. Mm-hmm. Cassandra, yeah. got it. Cassandra yeah. Marie Pickleball. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, that we, we could also find out about your clinics and, and those kind of things from that, that page. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of my things are all, all advertised on that post page. Um, okay. So yeah, if you're looking for something in your area, if you don't see anything, shoot me a message or you want me to come to that facility or maybe you want me to stay away from that facility. Either way, you can shoot me a message <laughs> and we can chat about how to set something up and uh, get some teaching in your area. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, we are just about out of time here. So uh, do you have any kind of final thoughts for us before we go? I would say um, if you have not, um, you know, played this crazy game of pickleball, uh, I hope Rachel and I didn't scare you away, but uh, we uh, obviously can tell we're very passionate, very excited about the sport. So um, try it out. Uh, Make that one of your goals in 2021, summer coming up. Um, You know, you're trying to do something new and active. um, Get out there and give it a try. And uh, (laughs) who knows? Maybe I will see you on the pro tour um, in a couple of years. So. <laughs> I would love that. That's fantastic. And that's great advice too. Cause yeah, it is, like I said, it is a fairly easy thing to start to pick up and play. And almost everyone I know that I've, that I've taught or brought into the sport have had the same reaction I have. They're just kind of become obsessed with it. And it, and it is just so much fun. And, you know, I inspired my fellow producers of this show enough that they're like, you know what, you need to do a pickleball show. We need to figure out what what this is that you're always doing. And so <laughs> we've done it now. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to with us today. I really yeah, appreciate no it. No problem. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Every Woman. I hope you enjoyed this deep dive into pickleball, one of my current obsessions. Uh, join us every week at three o'clock for another edition of Every Woman. Coming up next is Urban Connections, so stay tuned and have a great weekend.